It's great to share God's word with you again as we continue our sermon series uh, of our core values. And we're looking at the core value of prayer. Now today, today's passage may seem to be a weird passage to talk about prayer. As it's one of those passages where so many people, including myself, have had so many questions about what's going on here with how Moses talks to God. But as we unpack this passage tonight, it's actually going to help us really understand what prayer is. Well, before we get into this passage, will you please join me as I pray? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us your word so that we can learn more about you. And we thank you for the privilege that you've given us, that we can pray to you, made possible because of Jesus. Heavenly Father, please help me now to speak your word clearly tonight. And we pray that by your spirit, you will grow us in our relationship with you and in our dependence in you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you up the back there. Now, I don't know about you, but there are times when I find praying a real struggle. At times it's not the first thing I do when something difficult comes up in life. Or sometimes I'm lazy and don't do it as often as I like. And sometimes when I do spend time praying, sometimes my mind gets distracted on what's on my to-do list or my prayers seem shallow and limited. Does that sound familiar to you? How would you rate your prayer life at the moment? Now, there are many reasons why we all struggle with prayer at times, but I wonder if one of the main reasons why we don't pray is because we have a wrong view of God. That can take one of two forms. Uh, On one extreme, you could be here and you don't believe in God. Or you might believe in God, but you don't believe he's powerful enough to work in your life. Or the other extreme, you might think that God is sovereign. He's predestined and preordained everything in this world to the last detail. And so because of that, you think that prayer can't change his plans. Why bother praying? If God's going to do whatever he's going to do, whether I pray or not. Uh, Either way, we can grow cynical about prayer. And while being cynical may protect us from the crushing disappointment of not seeing our prayers answered in the way we want, it will inevitably lead us to be bitter towards God and destroy any intimacy that we have with him. Uh, But as we look at Exodus 32 tonight, we're going to see who the God of the Bible, who he really is. And it's because of who he is, uh, we can have a bold confidence when we pray. And that's why it's a core value of our church family. Uh, Tonight we're going to see three things. Firstly, we're going to see what is prayer. Secondly, why should we pray? And then thirdly, what would it look like if prayer is a core value of ours? But firstly, what is prayer? At the heart of prayer, prayer is a simply talking to God. And that privilege of talking to God is, is founded on 
who he is and what he's done for us. Uh, now, Exodus 32, 32, chapter 32, actually shows us this. Moses has been saved of one of God's people, and so he's been given the privilege of talking to God. Now, before we look at this prayer in Exodus 32, uh, let me paint for you the context of uh, Exodus 32. Uh, Moses is at the top of the mountain, receiving the Ten Commandments. Whilst at the bottom of the mountain, the people of Israel are waiting for Moses. Now, it's been 40 days since the people have last seen Moses, and the people are getting impatient. And so they take matters into their own hands, and they work out a way to relate to God on their terms, not God's. And so in verse 1, chapter 32, the people get Aaron, Moses' two I see, to make an idol in the shape of a calf. And so that they could now have a concrete contact point for God. Now at the heart of the Israelites' impatience is the fact that they're not trusting God in how he does things. Instead, they start clutching at other things that gives them security. And as a result, their vision, their view of God actually shrinks. They're putting God in the box. They're coming up with their own version of God, of who he is. A God that they can see. A God who's at their convenience. A God who let them live as they choose. It really shows how self-absorbed and narrow-minded these Israelites are. But you know, we can treat God that same way as well. Now, we may not be tempted to make a golden calf, but we can be tempted to clutch at things in our here and now for our security, whether that be our career or our family or our accomplishments. And when we give these things more focus and devotion than their due, well, our view will we'll end up giving less focus and devotion to God. And our view of God will get smaller. Eventually we'll turn God into a, a kind of genie, someone who we want him to be like, where we don't want to wait for his agenda, but rather let our perceived needs be the driver and the focus of our prayers. How we see God will shape how we relate to him. Well, that brings us to our passage. And in verse 7 to 8, God tells Moses what the people have done. And to put it bluntly, God is furious. Please read verse 10 with me. It says this. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. And what we do, we see in the next few verses that Moses... He appeals to God to not to carry out this judgment on his people. And in summary, basically Moses appeals to God's character. The fact that he's faithful and loving. And then what we see in verse 14? God relents. That is, he took pity. He showed compassion and did not bring on his people 
the disaster he had threatened. Now, in the face of all this, this whole passage, it seems that Moses, like a smooth-talking lawyer, like Harvey Specter, Moses gets God to change his mind through clever argument and logic. And if God is someone who will make it up as he goes along, as he, if he's someone that can change his mind on a whim, then he can't be really someone who's in absolute control over everything. So how do we make sense of all this? Well, our passage shows us why we should pray. And the first reason is that it helps us understand who God really is. That is, He is sovereign and He's in control of all things. You see, the Bible is very clear that God is in, he's completely sovereign and that he doesn't change his mind. Uh, please check out what 1 Samuel 15 verse 29 says. It says this. He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind. For he is not a human being that he should change his mind. And the big thing we need to understand here in Exodus 32, it was always God's plan for these Israelites to be rescued from judgment, even though these Israelites absolutely deserved to be destroyed because of their disobedience. And this leads to the second reason why we should pray, and that is prayer is our participation in God's plans. So the Bible clearly affirms God's absolute sovereignty and power over creation over every moment, that he's determined to work out his plans. But the Bible never takes that to mean that God is deaf to our prayers. And here in the passage of Exodus 32, we have to remember that at the very start, verse 7, God's the one who comes to Moses in the first place. You see, Moses hasn't said anything at this point. Moses hasn't been bugging God about this. No, you see, God could have just shut the door on Moses, not revealed to him what he's thinking, not giving the opportunity to speak. But God, by approaching Moses and letting him speak in this way, God is actually leaving the door open to Moses to hear what he has to say. You see, we have to remember that God appointed Moses in the first place to do what he's about to do. God deliberately chose Moses for this purpose, to be the middleman between God and the people of Israel. And it was God's plan for Moses to do his part so that God's grace could be achieved. So you see, Moses wasn't changing God's plans. He's actually carrying the plans out. And as we've seen with Moses, God will graciously respond to the prayers of his people. And he includes their prayers in his sovereign plans. And just like how God works through and in the events of our world to achieve his purposes, God works through and in our prayers to achieve his purposes. Uh, it's just like how 
I used to let my kids, when they were younger, they helped me cook the pancakes on Saturday morning. When they were younger, they they needed help. Well, I would let them be involved by doing the stirring, doing the pouring, doing the flipping. We're in partnership in doing the work. We're both getting our hands dirty, and can I say quite literally getting hands dirty. Now, the thing is, I don't need my kids to be involved in making pancakes. I can make perfectly good pancakes all by myself. But I choose to involve them because I love them. And I want to work together with them. And in a similar way, God doesn't need us to do anything for him. And that goes for everything that we do as Christians, whether it's sharing our faith or serving or even praying. But the amazing thing is that God lovingly and graciously includes us and our prayers in his plans all the same. Uh, But God's grace goes even further than that. Uh, The fact that we can come before God's very presence is because God sent the ultimate middleman, the ultimate go-between, which is Jesus. And here's the thing, just like how Moses acted on behalf of the people to save them from God's judgment, Jesus, in a much bigger way, puts his very life on the line. That Jesus saves us from God's judgment through his death on the cross. And because of what he's done, we're now brought into a relationship with God. And part of that relationship is that we have direct access to the creator of the universe. But we can just talk to him. And the thing is, when Moses prayed, God answered that prayer. And that revealed his compassion to his people. But you know, when Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, well, he prayed this prayer. He said, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Yet, God didn't answer that prayer in the affirmative. God actually said no to that prayer. And because of that, our personal relationship with him was made possible. You see, it actually really shows how much God loves us. How he's gone through enormous lengths to make us his. So it's because of that, where to see prayer as a gift that God has given to us as his people. So when we see actually prayer through this lens of grace, then we can actually, oh, I think actually change our motivation of why we pray. Because prayer is a gift given by God, well, that means I know for a fact that God does listen and that what I say matters. And God longs to talk to, uh, wants us to talk to him. He wants to listen to us. And he wants us to entrust everything to him. So what would it look like if prayer was really a core value of ours? Well, just like Moses. We're to pray in line with God's character and purposes. And as followers of Jesus, well, God has called us 
to pray for others, to pray for those who don't know him, to pray for those who fall into sin, or to pray for those who need his help in special ways. Now, I know that for many of you, are there people in your life where it seems impossible for them to come to know Jesus? Uh, Maybe your parents, maybe your child, maybe it's a sibling, maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's your best friend. And because they're so anti-Christianity, it can be hard to keep consistently praying for them. I have a particular family member who I've been praying for every day for the past 17 years for him to become a Christian. And he's still not a Christian. And a couple of years ago, I actually stopped praying for him. I suppose I had given up. Deep down, I was beginning to think that uh, there's just some people whose hearts are just too hard to crack. But it's actually when I came across Exodus 32 just a couple of years ago. God's word has encouraged me to not to give up praying. To keep on trusting in him. The one who can change people's hearts. No matter how hard they may be. And so if you have had the same experience that I've had. Well let me encourage you to not give up praying for that particular person to pray for them every day to keep trusting in the one who can do all things because if it's God's will that they will come to trust in him they will now because prayer is a gift given by God we can actually pray oh sorry we can pray with confidence and hopeful expectation Because God promises to answer our prayers. Now he won't give us anything contrary to his will. But he'll always answer in a way that's best for us in the long run. So he will answer. He'll answer yes. He'll answer no. He'll answer wait. According to his purposes. And so because God's sovereign plans don't have any cracks... Well, that means well, we can pray big, we can pray boldly, and we can pray often. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 says this, that we're to pray for everything, especially when we're anxious. Let me read it to you. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So if prayer is a core value for us, then we'll be praying all the time, during the good times and especially during the bad times. Especially with this outbreak of coronavirus. Now more than ever, we need to be people of prayer. And can I say, even when you're talking to someone and they're really anxious about something, well, pray for them there and then. And can I say, I reckon that includes our non-Christian friends as well. If there's something significant happening in their lives and that's concerning them, tell them that you'll pray for them. And more often than not, 
they won't mind you doing that, especially if it's a crisis. And that's just been another instance of you showcasing your faith to them. I still haven't come across a non-Christian friend who doesn't want me to pray for them during a time of crisis. And there's been a couple of occasions uh, that because of our relationship, well, they've actually invited me to pray with them. Uh, The other thing I want to say is, don't be afraid that you're going to ask God the wrong thing. It's going to happen. But God will temper the outcome according to his wisdom. And at times, when we don't get the answer that we want, I can encourage you to pray that God will enable you to rest in his will. And that's the thing. It's because of who God is, we can trust him even when things don't go the way we hoped. Because one of the purposes of prayer is not just that we get to change our world, but that we get changed as well. You see, prayer actually brings our hearts to trust in God's wisdom. It's where we're actually saying, hey God, here's what I need, but God, you know what's best. And so to, to really pray... It means surrendering our desire for control. It means surrendering our will to God. It means leaving all our needs and desires into his hands and letting him take the lead. And when we do that, God will bring a comfort. He will bring a rest. He will bring a peace that nothing else can bring. But you know what? It's actually when we pray and trust God like that, that the dangers of the Israelites back in what we read in Exodus 32 gets overturned. Because when we fully surrender and trust in God and pray that way, well, God changes us to see him for who he really is. And we'll end up not being impatient. We'll end up not placing our security in other things. But you know, more than that, actually God will give us the strength for us to wait, to wait in his good timing so that his good purposes could be worked out. We've seen tonight that because of who God is and because of his grace, prayer really does make a difference. And that's why it's one of our core values. And so when we see prayer in that framework of grace, well, prayer won't be a chore that we drag ourselves to, but instead it will become a delight. It becomes something that we do in the first instance, not as a last resort, because we know that God will use it to accomplish his purposes. And if prayer is this awesome, amazing privilege that God has given us, why wouldn't we want to talk to him? Well, let's pray to him now. Will you please join me as I pray? Heavenly Father, we praise you for the Lord Jesus. That's through him that not only are we saved from our sin, but that we have access to you in prayer. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you that you long to hear from us, that you've chosen to use our prayers as part of your sovereign plans. Heavenly Father, we confess those times when we've been lazy, when we've been slack in spending time with you. Heavenly Father, we pray that you'll change us, that we will see prayer in the overall framework of your sovereignty and grace. And please grow us to be people who trust you in all things through prayer. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.